Hey, everybody. Uh, day 34 of 50 Days of Preparation. Pastor John here. I'm excited to be with you today. Um, it's uh, man, it's I'm, I'm hearing so many good reports. We got over 400 something members that are in the group. And, and every day I got more and more people emailing the, the church or texting and just saying that um, or emailing me and texting saying uh, just how they're learning this or they're learning that and God is speaking to them. And that's what this is all about is is we just prayed um, before, you know, Easter came and said, Lord, what do you want us to do? And he wants to prepare us. And so he's preparing you. He's preparing you for a, a greater purpose, for harvest. I believe he's preparing you to prosper. He's preparing you uh, just like he's preparing me. We are all in preparation. And and it's just really cool to have iron, sharpen iron, and people encourage one another with, with the word. Um, one guy was telling me, man, it's like, it's like when I come on and I watch these these videos every night, it's like all the stuff I'm hearing in the news and all the all the the nonsense that's going in the world. It's almost like for a few minutes, I just escape all that. And I'm, I'm and I hope that's true for you, that you can just refocus on the Lord and focus on him and what he's doing in your life. Um if you have a, uh, if you've been watching one of these videos, and as you're watching and you're learning, you have a family member, a friend, a coworker, whoever, and that person rises up in your heart like you think of them. Uh, I've been praying about this, and I want you to understand that that's probably the Lord, kind of telling you that, hey, this person needs to know what you just learned, and so share it, send them the link, get them in the group, and it, it, they might not do it during the 50 day time period that we're doing it. But send them the word anyways. God, you know, it, it, even they can, they can, you know, take 50, they can take 350 days to do 50 days of preparation. We just want them in the word and we want the word in them. And so those, if you're new to the group, uh, make sure you not only like and follow our, our you know, uh, Face Center Facebook page, but go to the 50 days of preparation group. And in that group, go click on unit. It's the, the units tab. And when you click on units tab, um, go back to all, all the videos, all so far, 33 videos are, are there, uh, on, on the units tab. And, uh, I just got to think, I, I got a couple people visiting tonight. Is today 33 or 34? 34. Oh, 34. Okay, cool. I just got confused. So um, I'm going to put some people to work right after I get done with the video. So um, I got slaves tonight. Um, <laughs> so the uh, so like 30, 33 videos are there under unit one. And even like back to the very first one, if you watch the very first one already, go back in in the unit and click done. And when you click done, click it by faith that God's doing something in your life because you're sowing his word into your heart. So, uh, and guys, Rick Clendenin's doing better. He's getting better all the time. I want to thank you for the prayers. He's got a long way to go, but he's going in the right direction. Praise the Lord. So open your Bible to Deuteronomy chapter six. It's going to take me a minute to get there, but Deuteronomy chapter six. And, and I want to remind you just of a couple things because there's so much that I want to tell you about between Egypt, uh, wilderness, promised land, Babylon, there's, there's just, I mean, 50 days is not enough for me to share all the things that are in my heart. I have a lot of rabbits that I would love to chase and, and share with you. And 
And like I want to start tonight with talking about the mountain of God. Uh, in Exodus 3, we started that months, uh, or not months, but uh, a while back, we started in Exodus 3, remember the burning bush, and in Exodus 3, where Moses was at, we, uh, it, the Bible said it was the mountain of God, and, and it's Mount Horeb, and then, and then you see later on, Mount, Mount Sinai, and people say, well, is that two different places? Well, most people believe, most scholars believe it's the same place. Uh, some say it's it's one mountain with kind of two sides, you know, you know that are in two territories, almost the mountains that big. But here's the deal: it's the mountain of God. So the focus is not the mountain; the focus is God. Anything, you know, the people of God. The focus is not the people. You don't want to lift up the people. You put the focus on God. Uh, and so what we do is when we look at the mountain of God, Mount, Mount Horeb, Mount Sinai, we want to understand, let's not over-focus on the thing that God is using to reveal himself. Let's, let's celebrate that thing and understand, we give honor to it, but let's, let's seek the God who's revealing himself through the thing or through the person or through the whatever. Because they came, Moses brought them to Mount Sinai, and the, that's where he gave them the Ten Commandments. And there's a lot we could share about the Ten Commandments and about just the word that God was doing. But if you look in Hebrews chapter 12, the real, the real thing is it says in the New Testament that we don't come to Mount Sinai. We come to Mount Zion. And then someone says, oh, yeah, Mount Zion, that's in Jerusalem. That's where King David had his, his, his palace. And yeah, we come to. No, he it wasn't even talking about that Mount Zion. It was talking about in Hebrews 12 that we as believers under the new covenant with our faith in Christ, we come to Mount Zion from the heavenly Jerusalem, the heavenly Jerusalem. And so with that in mind, uh, all these symbols and shadows that point to you know, the heavenly realities of God, when we come and we talk about in Exodus and, and through the wilderness, they came to the mountain of God, Mount Sinai and, and all that stuff. And even and even with King David and Mount Zion, all of that is pointing that God is bringing us up, but he's bringing us up, like we said last night, to himself. He's not bringing us to a mountain. He's not bringing us to a place. He's bringing us to him. The only thing that makes the place powerful and precious is his presence. Take away God's presence from any place. All you got is a place. And so he's what makes it wonderful. And so with that in mind, as we're talking about the mountain of God, and we're talking about, um, uh, matter of fact, I spent time praying today. I had so many things on my heart to say, Lord, what do I need to share? And like, Lord, in, you know, the days are running out. What do I need to share? What would you want to share about the wilderness? That what do the people need to understand so they can take hold of, get some handlebars on and take hold of about the wilderness? And, and he just spoke very, very plainly to me. And so I want to share that with you tonight. So um, in Hebrew or uh, Deuteronomy chapter six, it's an amazing chapter. I want to start reading verse one. Verse 1 says, Now this is the commandment, and these are the statutes and the judgments which the Lord your God has commanded you to teach you that you may observe them in the land which you are crossing over to possess, that you may fear the Lord your God and keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you, uh, and I command you, and your son and your grandson. 
all the days of your life. I love that generational intentionality of God. That your days may be prolonged. Therefore, hear, O Israel, and be careful to observe. Observe it, that it may be well with you and that you uh, may multiply greatly, not just multiply, but multiply greatly. God wants to increase you as the Lord, your God, as the Lord God of your fathers has promised you a land flowing with milk and honey. Anytime you see milk and honey, it's talking about the wealth of the land. What God has sown in the land, the stuff that you're you're going to dig out and the stuff that is going to be a part of your life. It's almost like a treasure hunt. And so God is talking about the increase in wealth of the land. And he's showing us that our obedience is not just about us because the promises are not just about us. Just like God's promises and his presence are never about a specific place. They're never about a specific person. That God makes promises in places to show every place that every place can come and receive some of his promises. And God will do great things in the lives of people, not to show that he loves more people, you know, loves certain people over others or this person's better than that person. But to say that what I do in this person's life, I can do in everybody's life that I have a good plan for you and I want to increase you and I want to multiply you. What I've done in this generation, I want to do even greater things in the next generation. I want there to be increase and multiplication. That's what he's saying. So with that in mind, you look at verse four and it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And these are the words which I command you today. uh, And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign upon your hands, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes, and you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and upon your, upon your gates. So uh, Jesus was asked one time, what is the greatest commandment? He was asked by a scribe, and you can see it in Matthew. You can also see it in Mark, Mark chapter 12. Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? And you would have thought for sure he would have answered one of the Ten Commandments. But he didn't. He answered from this verse right here. And this verse is called Shema or Shema. People pronounce it differently, and and I probably butcher it when I try to pronounce it. Um, It's it's Shema. Some people spell it S-H-A-M-A, and some people leave out the, the E. It's Shema. Uh, But it's Shema and it's the Hebrew word. This is a Hebrew word. And in English, in English, that word is is spelled here. In English, it's the word here. So here is Shema. And what it means, it doesn't just mean like here, like I hear a noise or I hear sound. It means to Shema or here means to hear, understand and obey. It means to hear with a readiness and willingness to understand what you're hearing and a readiness and willingness to obey the thing that you heard. And so it's it's hearing to the point of action. And so what he's saying is here, he's telling the people here, 
And, and, and when Jesus was asked this in Mark chapter 12, what's the greatest commandment? Jesus quoted this scripture. He said, the greatest commandment is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And, and he went through this, this whole thing. And this was a prayer of the Old Testament that the Hebrew and Jewish people would pray at least two times a day. And even to this day, they still pray that. And there's different components to it. I'm not going to unpack tonight. But it's called the Shema, and it, and it means to hear, to hear. And as they were going through uh, the wilderness and they came to the mountain of God, it's not all about the mountain. It's about, it's about God speaking to his people. So one of the things that you, need to, you and I need to understand about the wilderness is not about the places where they went. And not about the different people that they encountered. Those are all important and we need to honor and understand and learn from that. But the greatest instruction we need to get is the heart of God saying, hear me, hear me. I, I want to speak to you. I want to commune with you. I want to instruct you. I want to give you my life. I want to give you my wisdom one word at a time. I want to deposit and download my life in you. And I want to do it through my word. And so, so the having a hearing heart is key. Je according to Jesus, it's the greatest because what's the first and greatest, most important commandment? This is what Jesus quoted. This is what he quoted. So in my mind, I mean, I think it's fair to say that in Jesus understanding, this is like one of the most important Old Testament verses there is. That we need to be a people that have a Shema heart. We need to be a people that have a hearing heart, not hearing like I'll hear you. And then after I hear what you got to say, I'll decide if I want to obey. No, 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 no. This is a kind of hearing that because of the person talking, I don't even need to hear what they have to say because of who it is that's saying it. I'm going to tell you before you say it because of who you are, not because of what you say, because of who you are. I will obey what you say. Parents, how many of us would love our kids to be able to because you're my mom and dad, I'm going to obey what you say. Wouldn't that be cool? You know, well, that's what we need to have towards God is God. I'm not going to sit here and, well, hang on, God. I just don't know if I agree with that. I just I, that's not a hearing heart. That's a selfish heart. That's a prideful heart. That's an ignorant heart. A Shema heart is a heart. It's a heart that says, I'm going to take your word because I value you. I value your word and I'm already on go. I already have a green light. I'm going to take your word and put it in a place where I don't put anybody else's word. Your word. See, he says the Lord, your God is one. And it says uh, it says here is the Lord, our God, the Lord, our God. That word God is plural is one. And that's that's singular. So he's talking about the unity of the Godhead. The plurality of the Godhead functioning in unity, but he's also talking about first, that God must be first. In the wilderness is where you realize that the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, he's first. 
You learn how you put them first in the wilderness. So when you get into your promised land, which means you're you're living in the mission and ministry that God has for you, you're you're functioning in in the business that God has for you. You're you're walking in the calling that God has for you that you won't forget to keep them first because you realize the only reason you got there is because you put him first. And the way to put God first is to have a hearing heart. To have a hearing heart. He says, put God, he's saying, put my word in your heart. Look at what he says in this scripture. He says, put my word in your heart. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Well, how do I love, how do I love God? Well, through hearing him and obeying him. Jesus said, if you love me, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And what he's saying is you will have a Shema heart. We don't obey God because we fear him. We obey God because we love him. And obedience is the only logical thing that we have have to, to decide. I mean, it's the only logical option once you know who he is and once you know how much he loves you. But it's not about performance. It's not about he's not saying, listen, y'all listen up. Y'all listen up. You better love me. That's performance. That's not what this is about. What he's saying is hear me. Hear how much I love you. Hear what I have planned for you. Let the sound of my voice and the value that you put to my voice, let, let, let that voice and let, let me speak so romantically into your life that the only logical option is for you to put me first. And so we got to put them first, put them first in our day. That means we spend time in the word every day. Not to do our chores and not to, okay, I did the word and now it's time to go. It's no, I put God's word in my heart. Look, I know you got God's word in your cell phone. I know you got God's word on in your computer. But do you have God's word in your heart? Do you have his word in your heart? I'm Thank God for the technology of having his word in our cell phone, having his word in our computer. But God is saying to us, I want to put my word in your heart as a seed so that my life will grow in your life. So a hearing heart is good ground that we sow the word in, that we say, God, I don't need to debate and discern what you're saying before I give you a yes, before I give you a yes and amen. God, because it's you. Because you're the one that delivered me out of Egypt. You're the one that saved my life. You're the one that raised me from the grave. You're the one that brought me through the Red Sea. You're the one bringing me into my promised land. You are my life. So because when you speak, I'm tuned in. I'm all ears to what you're saying. Everyone else, what they're saying, that that can fade away. That, That can be a good second, third, or fourth in my life. But God, you are first. You are first. Like, like for example, remember, the, remember I drew that line, and I'll just do it right here on this line. Remember I drew the line, and I talked about uh, below the line and above the line, and how above the line is the eternal, below the line is the temporal, above the line is the spiritual, below the line is the natural. Hopefully you remember this. And uh, above the line, you know, is the... Is, is heaven and beneath the line is, is the earth. And we, we talked about the difference between above the line and beneath the line. Well, now that we've come into relationship with God, 
Uh, What God was trying to say to the people of Israel, which he's trying to say to anybody who's in relationship with him, he said it to them so he could say it to us. He's saying it to anybody who wants to be in relationship with him. Anybody who comes to him, who doesn't come to uh, uh, Sinai, we we go to Zion. We come to the heavenly, the heavenly mountain, the heavenly reality. And so, so a hearing heart. So this, this may be silly, but this is just how I kind of think about things. So Shema means to hear. So when I have my, my, my body, my soul, and then my spirit, my spirit man is up here above the line. So I want to Shema here, here. So here in my natural life, I want to be connected here to my supernatural life. And I do that by hearing. The most valuable resource you have is your ability to hear God. It's your ability to hear, understand, and obey God. God will cause you to start a business. God will tell you, yep, marry that one or nope, don't marry that one. God, God will lead you. Um, and it's not just waiting for the court date. It's not waiting for the problem. And then we run to hear God because we have a need. We had a need way before the court date. We had a need way before the problem hit. And our need is this our, in the wilderness is where we learn the need of man lives by every word that proceeds from his mouth. And I align my heart with a Shema heart, with the hearing heart that I want to hear, understand and obey. I want to hear, understand and obey. I read my Bible to hear God's voice. I read what God has said so I can hear what God is saying. I I position myself in front of my Bible so I position my heart to hear him speak to me. And so how do I know if I hear God speak? Well, you got to build a relationship with him. He'll speak uniquely and distinctly to you. But what he says through his voice will always match his word. Matter of fact, we test, we test every spirit and every voice that speaks into our life. We test it according to the word of God. That's why we have to know the word of God. But we keep him first by having a hearing heart. Imagine what could happen here Beneath the line, if we learned how to hear above the line. Imagine right now, today, all your problems exist right here. All your pain exists right here. All of your past with emotional memories exist all right here. All of it. But your future exists right here. And when we have a great commandment heart, when we have a heart that says, I want to hear understand and obey that the wilderness journey for me between my between my Egypt and my promised land. I'm going to take the word of God and the spirit of God and the people that God brings into my life to to make a lifestyle of hearing, understanding and obeying the word of God so that God's word so that God's my ability to hear above the line from the throne of grace itself will empower me to live the realities above the line here below the line. 
And then people will come and see the fruit of Christ, the fruit of God in my life and say, how would you do that? Well, let me tell you. Let me tell you. It's not because I'm good. It's because he's good. And so the wilderness is where they learned the ability to put God first. And so that's what that means. Now, when they, they got off into the promised land, they got lazy in their hearing. They got fat and sassy. They got dull in their hearing. Maybe they thought because they were in the promised land and having success. See, I'm going to get off here in just a second, but look. Success will deafen your ears to God worse than poverty. Poverty can make you blind to the reality of God because you have a victim mentality. But when you have a victory mentality in yourself apart from God and you forgot he's the one that gave you the ability to gain wealth and you got your business and you got stuff and you don't have no sickness and all your kids are doing good and all your grandkids are doing good and you think, man, I'm, I'm doing pretty well. I got a nice house. I got a nice car. I got a nice whatever. You better check yourself before you wreck yourself. Because success can blind you from accomplishing your life's assignment. And when you stand before the Lord at the judgment seat of Christ, he's not going to be like, man, I liked your BMW. Man, you had a wonderful house. Man, you made a lot of money. He's going to say, what did you do? How did you hear, understand, and obey what I was calling you to do? What you do for you won't matter in that day. It's only what you obey from him. We need to have hearts. If we're going to be prepared to, to walk in everything that God has for us, every other voice, every other distraction needs to go to second place. Lord, I'm putting you first by having a hearing heart. And I position my heart to have a heart that hears, understands, and obeys. And Deuteronomy 6, 4 you know, down through verse 9, describes how to do that. You're talking about the word all day long. You're talking about the word to your kids all day long. Well, when, Pastor John? Well, when you rise up, when you lie down, and everything in between. And you diligently put his word in your heart. See, that's a faith that works. See, works never produces faith, but faith should always produce works. Because... We want to hear, understand, and obey. And when we do, obedience will unlock greater understanding, which that new understanding gives us a greater appetite to hear, and a greater appetite to hear unlocks more understanding, which I mean, it just, just, it's a cycle that keeps going. Just like your cycle of sin and your cycle of worry and your cycle of anxiety and your cycle of, of, of fear, and your you, when you come to a Shema heart, you jump into a new cycle. You jump into a new cycle. And suddenly you look at the world and say, what are, what are all y'all freaked out about? Because you're in a different wavelength. You're in the same reality here, but a different reality here. Because you got ears to hear. I'm telling you, I'm helping you out. I'm helping you out. I can't wait to be with you tomorrow, Father, in Jesus' name. I pray you give us all hearing hearts. Help us to hear, understand, and obey your word in Jesus' name. Y'all have a great night. Love you. See you tomorrow at 7.